Hello, sweet summer children. Hey, Logan here, just opening up another episode of PTN Archive. Uh, Due to kind of some personal stuff that came up with one of our show hosts, we had to delay another recording of an episode. And since we don't have kind of a backlog yet, we're relying on some of the earlier episodes that we worked on before. So sorry to throw another one of these into the feed at you. Um, And sorry that it's not on time. These things are a pain to edit. um, And astute listeners will hear this and think like, wow. Uh, bad sound quality. So again, apologies for that. Uh, it's just kind of a necessity during this difficult time that we're all going through. But um, rest assured, for us, things are relatively normal and things are okay. And we hope that you guys are healthy too. Uh, for this episode, we're going to be reading a short story called The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Uh, people who are familiar with literary theory will know this story pretty well. It gets read and, and retread a lot. I believe there's even a cool... Um, crash course video on it for people who are familiar with that series of videos on youtube um yeah we're gonna be reading that it's pretty old so you can find a pdf copy online if you want to read it before you listen to this episode um yeah so that's that's what we're going to be discussing it was greg's pick and he'll he'll be kind of leading the discussion here it has some cool takes but it is from november 2019 when we were first trying to do the show and and really trying to get into our stride. So it's far from perfect. So please be uh, gentle with your criticisms would be my request. Um, Yeah, if you do have criticisms that you think can't be ignored or or shouldn't be ignored, you can find us on Twitter, at PeepThisNoise. That's also where announcements like we're running late or something weird has happened show up. So it's a good idea to follow there if you have a Twitter. You can also contact us directly at mail at PeepThisNoise.com. Uh, you can find our content on the web. We do some written stuff that's pretty cool, and it will also include links to most of our shows. That's at www.peepthisnoise.com. You do need the uh, www. at the beginning of that. I don't know why, but um, we're basically hosting that through Google Sites right now, so it's not, like, super pretty. Um, yeah, so I think that's everything. Oh, except for one more thing. We'd like to give a special thank you to Katie Davidson and the band Key Losers for the use of their song, Don't Know Why, from their album California Light, which is our bumper music for this podcast. Uh, Go ahead and listen to that. Really just let it envelop your soul. It's going to follow my voice right here. And uh, when you realize how much you love it, go ahead and listen to that album. It's absolutely worth it. Well, thanks again for listening to Peep This Noise, and hopefully you enjoy this archive episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Welcome to the pilot episode of the new podcast, Peep This Noise, a roundtable discussion about culture and criticism of the things that we love. Seated around the table today, you have me, Logan Johnson, Greg Marchant. Hi. And seated across from me is Nathaniel Johnson. Hello. Awesome. So let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Establish a good, brisk, clipping pace for this kind of thing. I agree. Uh, so Greg, we're going to start with your media you picked oh, out. cool. You picked, uh, The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins. Have yes. we explained to the listenership what this show is? I mean, if you're here, it's a roundtable discussion about culture and criticism. <laughs> right. Those things that we like. We've all picked something. There we go. That we like. We're going to go through and discuss those things. Greg picked The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins. 
So just as an introduction, I forgot to tell you guys about this part, but the yellow wallpaper is apparently semi-biographical mm-hmm. of, oh. of Charlotte Perkins, of um of a postpartum uh of a postpartum episode of like the the term that was assigned to it at the time was psychosis, but you know yeah. post Okay, I did get that read that it was postpartum mental illness. Yeah. Um this so it's uh it's semi biographical of her, which I thought was really interesting and I found that out as I was researching it. Because I read this originally, um it's a it's a really good, creepy piece of um piece of uh fiction. Yeah. But it's uh, also semi biographical. Uh, I think we should say that there's no there's no spoiler tags. Everything in here is fair game when we talk about it. Yeah, we're just going to kind of kind of blow everything open. At least for this episode, we might uh, be a little bit more discreet yeah. in future ones. But for this But one, for this episode, everything we talk about, there's no spoiler tags. We're talking about anything and everything. Yeah, so let's go ahead and dive in. You uh, you wrote some questions for us to consider while we read it. Right? Yeah. So what did you think of the story's portrayal of mental illness and the secondary character's responses to the main character's illness? I had so many questions. I... Yeah, I'd do some reading after reading the story to like kind of really tamp down on everything that happened. Well, I mean, I at first everything the narrator was saying was just totally believable, but then other questions kept creeping in when things start didn't start lining up all the time. Creeping in is a very <laughs> funny way to phrase that. Yeah, I know. The uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the arc of this story. But uh, it's the, a the creepy story in many ways. Yes. her husband possibly the creepiest. <laughs> yes, uh, her husband slash doctor. His name is John. Right? John. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually for a minute I wasn't sure that John was her husband. Okay, I'm still not sure that he is her husband. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting takes. I'm. We'll get to that in a little bit. Well, <laughs> I want to hear what Nathaniel has to Same. say. So she describes this room that she gets put in with this yellow wallpaper and the bars on the windows, and I went. Oh my goodness! They she's in an asylum. Yeah, she totally sure. is. She right. is Af- like yeah, definitely in an asylum, or at least uh, an asylum style room. Right, right. She's being kept in the room. But right, but I took it as this is an asylum entirely, um, and that everyone that she mentions, all of the other three characters, uh, there's like five characters she mentions, but the three adult characters who interact with her in her regular life. Her I husband, the, her husband's sister, who's the third one you're called? The brother. Okay. Um, all, everybody who's like, no, you're sick and you just need to rest. I don't think, or I wasn't convinced that any of them were actually related to her. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought that they might have all been staff of the asylum. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if I agree with that take, just given it's... Again, in light of its semi-biographical nature. Right. That um, changes my read quite a bit. But while I was taking notes, a lot of that was like, is John even like really her husband or is he just her doctor? Like that's why he's always seeing other patients and is never around. Sure. You mentioned you had a read on that as well. Yeah. So the I I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that. Um, that just like Nathaniel, I'm not entirely convinced that any of them are related to her. I I'm kind of one uh, because the because the main character as a narrator is so un 
unreliable with her facts and her continuity. I'm not even sure that her husband was coming there. Like when she mentions that he slept in the room with her, I'm not right. even sure he was there. Yeah, same. Um, or that, um, or that possibly there was a doctor in there. Um, there, there was a, a doctor from the asylum in there observing her or something like that. Um, and she just, uh, she just kind of like as the the main character got the facts twisted in in her mind it's it's really vague i'm not even sure that i i can't remember uh everything that i read outside of this to go along with it but i'm not even sure that she has a child yeah there were some parts where like i was like oh she's suffering from postpartum depression wait she talks about what if she had kids and then wait, she says her baby. Like, what? Like, there were times where it flip-flopped on me. Yeah. Sure. So it's it's entirely possible that this was also um, that this was also mental illness in the wake of a traumatic event, losing a child after sure a long pregnancy. Sure, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Which, uh, which, which, so yeah, I I'm I'm just not entirely sure. That that was my second question. Um, what did you think about the author's use of an unreliable narrator? Um, and I wanted to hear everybody's speculations about what is really going on in this story. Sure. Logan, you haven't had much yeah, to say yet. We wanna, I'm curious. Yeah, uh, maybe let me swing in here. I actually don't think the narrator is unreliable. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of distortion that happens, particularly with regard to the yellow wallpaper. But I actually think that's more symbolic than it is um, anything. Uh, the... There's a section where she mentions that her husband doesn't like her to write or even to think that much because she's prone to essentially flights of fancy. Right. Right. That her imagination can get away from her, um, which suggests to me that she's probably a, a pretty active thinker and definitely some sort of, of talented writer. Right. To the degree that in the early parts of the story, it's mentioned she's not allowed to work. And by work, they mean write. Right. Right. So she seems to be something of a talented writer, which makes it unsurprising that we see, like, visual metaphor expressed through the wallpaper. We'll talk a little bit more about what we all think the wallpaper represents in a bit. Well, something I'd like to mention with that is there's a ton of references to suicide. Throughout and it. death. But all in the wallpaper. Yeah, all all in, in the wallpaper. wallpaper. So <laughs> we'll come we back will come to back the wallpaper. Yeah, let's circle back to that. Let's put a pin but, in the wallpaper, because I want to I kind of finish this thought on... Sure. On her husband. Let's put a nail in the wallpaper. Maybe a fingernail. Yes. Oh, uh, no. Let's do it. All our nails in the wallpaper. Um, so, what I kind of get the read here, so when you talk about, like, particularly older forms of, of women's hysteria or views of postpartum depression, uh, the, the way that polyamorous relationships developed in those times was that a husband could essentially just accuse his wife of being insane and dump her off. That was a thing that happened, right? Oh, that's and terrible. And so one of my reads here is maybe that's what's happening here, is that he's an unsatisfied husband who, he's not stepping out to see patients. He's not gone overnight all the time to see more patients. I'm sure you can see where I'm going with yeah. this. Yeah. He's stepping out on her, right? But what's fascinating is I never even considered that take because I didn't even trust that it was actually her husband. Sure. I think she's a reliable narrator. Uh, what I want to talk about a little bit tied up in this theme and kind of what what helped cement my read here is actually at the very end of the story. I hate to jump right to it, but 
let's get right to it. Should we should we summarize the story for anybody who hasn't heard it? No, I I don't think so. Yeah, no, okay. people can people can read it. Listeners, if you need to read it, pause it's it. It's short. It's 55 pages. It's really quick. They're like small pages, too. Yeah, it's they're short. 100, maybe 200 words a page. Small pages, surprisingly big surprisingly big font size. Yeah, and, and surprisingly big ideas. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very engaging, but don't read it in the dark, probably. That's exactly what I did. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so so let's, go, let's cut to the end. So what happens at the end is... She kind of has her, uh, I guess, we, what you would call a psychotic episode. I think it's something different from that, but we'll get to that. Um, you, she has what's called her psychotic episode. She is a creeping around the room, as she describes it. And he comes in, and according to her, in the last paragraph, he, she says, Now, why should that man have fainted? But he did, and right across my path by the wall, so that I had to creep over him every time. So she continues her path around the room. She has to step over her husband, or whatever we consider this figure to be, who has fainted. Now, if not her husband, why would that man have fainted? Let's talk about that. Um, because my, my take is that, well, maybe I should just say what I think the wallpaper means, because it explains this a little bit. Can I, can I pause yeah, you there? go ahead. So earlier, what I meant, I have a better way to phrase it. I think she may be conflating her husband and the doctor, if her husband is a doctor. Oh, sure. I think she oh, may be sure. conflating her husband and other doctors. Other doctors. That makes sense. In the in the process of dealing with all of this. Anyway, go ahead. That makes sense. That is an, yeah. That's a good read actually. I like that. Um so let me let me just jump right to it. I think the wallpaper, uh she talks a lot about tearing the wallpaper and freeing the woman behind it. The woman that she's seen behind the wallpaper, the woman that she's seen in the yard. Dang, this is a lot creepier to talk about than it was to read. <laughs> uh <laughs> I think that woman is symbolic of her, her trapped and oppressed self. Well, she does at one oh, point flip the narrative and refer right to herself end, having escaped. Having escaped behind from behind the wallpaper. This is what gives me Oh, that yeah, lead. it totally is. I I don't think... I think that's very intentional that she, that she ends up, in the end, freeing herself from behind the wallpaper and thinking of herself as having come from behind the wallpaper. And... 100%. So my, my final read in this paragraph, why should that man have fainted, is that he encounters her now. I mean, she's creeping, right? She's following the outline of the wall. She's crawling. She's dragging herself across the floor with her shoulders stuck into the... Joint. The divot, yeah. The the divot at the bottom of the wall where the wall meets the floor, and she's just sliding right. along the floor around and around the room. Which is a really creepy way of saying she has become what she has become obsessed with, which is this wallpaper. And she is now, from what her life is, selected her own path. And so her husband, upon finding that she has freed herself from his oppression, faints unable to take it, metaphorically speaking. Okay. And she creeps over him, meaning she continues her path irrespective of his thoughts of her. But he keeps coming up as an obstacle right. in her life. So no I read what. it as a metaphor. Interesting. I read it completely metaphorically, and she's a reliable narrator, albeit a very disturbed and creepy one. Um, what are your guys' takes on her as an unreliable narrator? I spoke for a, a I, good minute on that. I also think the wallpaper is a metaphor of sorts. The wallpaper is definitely a metaphor, uh, do you have thoughts on her as a narrator before we get into the thoughts on the wallpaper? So I, I, I think it's interesting to look at her in the sense of her being a reliable narrator, and by that meaning that she, she's writing, she as a narrator, the stuff she's writing down are works of fiction. 
mm-hmm. from like or her or reality from her perspective or something like that and there's symbolism and stuff in there i really like her as an unreliable narrator because my favorite part of this story is the uh is just the full-on creepiness of it mm-hmm. the it's way that the way that the author charlotte perkins unsettles us as readers by uh by drawing us in and having us see things from the narrator's perspective which is um which is connected to charlotte perkins's own perspective she uh she well is dead now i believe yeah i believe she's um, passed but yeah she's she's passed away um but she she is a feminist um she <laughs> That supports my read a little bit, but keep going. Yeah, no, she is a feminist, which is why I agree with a lot of parts of your read. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is writing this semi-autobiographically. She She's describing... Uh, this. I like looking at this as a way of letting a reader experience what she experienced when she went through... Mm-hmm. Uh, when she went through um, a bout of mental illness... I think that's something that as an if if we consider this to be an unreliable narrator then we can uh if we consider the narrator here to be an unreliable narrator um it's it adds to that reading of it i'd agree with that 100 and that that's my favorite part is that she unsettles us by getting us to experience something of what she the author for self experience and what the narrator is experiencing. So one of the things I find really interesting about this is that the story starts off super average. Like this is just oh, you're having it's, it's a mundane rough time. Yeah. 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 And oh, huh. That's a weird like take on the wallpaper that they're committing suicide, you know, like huh, weird. The patterns in the wallpaper are little heads snapping at the sure. neck. Yeah, things like that. But but that's the only part that's weird in her writing. Right. And to add, and I guess to interrupt a little bit, which I apologize sure. for, but to add a little bit to that, from what I understand about uh, some of my friends who have experienced postpartum depression, a lot of it is like you randomly have like disturbing images of like the baby in pain or the baby dying. I've, um, I've heard a lot of uh I, I know it can vary. ...have impulsive desires to harm their children who suffer from postpartum depression. Again, not I'm not, like, an expert on it. No, but um, it's a thing. It's So I wonder if that's part yeah. of this read. What do you think, Greg? Uh, so from a very personal level, um, I I was having a lot of, um, a lot of issues um, with feeling overwhelmed and things irritating me that didn't used to irritate me after... Um, after my child was born, you know, a few months ago. Um, and I, I didn't really, um, I, I thought, okay, this will just kind of pass on its own. Um, and I just kept feeling more and more overwhelmed. I started losing desire to do things. And after a while, um, my wife convinced me to go and, uh, see a doctor. Um, and uh, he ended up uh, he ended up uh, putting me on an anxiety medication um, that has really helped. Um, and from my own experience, I 
Um, I dealt with a lot of not necessarily desires to harm my child, but a lot of intrusive thoughts of um, a lot of intrusive thoughts and just like vivid um, mental images of me accidentally harming my child. Interesting. Um, for listeners who may be sensitive to like the the depiction anyway of you know trauma, especially to children, I kept having. Um, I, I, I would say skip forward about 30 seconds. I kept having, um, just these vivid images of act of walking into the room without looking while my child was on the ground, having tummy time and stepping on him just very, very frequently every, every hour or every half hour throughout the day. Um, if my child was around, I would start having these, I would start having these thoughts. So I think from personal experience there, um, it's, it's not really unusual to, um, at all to have things, um, to have thoughts about injury or harm or stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And not to downplay your experience in any way, but you're the father. Like from what I understand, mothers have a much, much harder time with those kinds of emotions because they've grown this child, they've, they're now separated from this child in a way they weren't used to. I mean, that's what postpartum depression is, right? Is that separation and what it causes them to feel. Um, and I think we all agree that whatever the character is experiencing in this book, it's because of postpartum depression. Yeah. I I think that's, I think that's the read that we're supposed to expect at least. Yeah. I think that would be the terms we would put it in now. This was of course written problem, uh, before that, um, before that was a diagnosable like medical term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the author also makes it very clear that this was what set her off. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's very clear. So what do you think the wallpaper represents? Um... I think I honestly from you you guys heard my read of it earlier. I don't think the wallpaper represents anything. I think the wallpaper is the thing onto which the narrator projects what is going on in her life. It's her medium through which she understands. Um, It's her medium through which she understands what is going on um, in her life. I don't, I don't really, from my read of it, say I uh, think it represents anything. Sure. But when she talks about uh, when she talks about little heads snapping at the neck, um, when she talks about tearing it down to get the woman out from behind it, um, when she uh, when she talks about herself having come from behind it, and that's at a point in the story when she's when you're starting to really understand that she's. Um, that she's uh, dealing with um, some serious postpartum depression and mental illness that um, that comes at a part of the story where that's going on. I read it. Um, I read the wallpaper as the the thing. Uh, I, I I think of it as a tool that the from let's say from the author's perspective because we've been talking a lot from the narrator's perspective. From the author's perspective, I think that the the wallpaper was a tool for the main character to project onto, so that um, so that there was something external through which we could view what was going on, 
the, the main character needed something to interact with to express outwardly what was going on inwardly. Okay, I think that's a pretty good read. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not that. saying that it necessarily doesn't represent something. Right, well, but that's but the read you that, got. That's not, uh, that's not the position that I uh, see it from. Sure. See, that's... And I have, hard time, I have a hard time reconciling that and then going further and interpreting it as symbolism because that's not really... Sure. That's not really uh, something that I got out of it originally. I have a totally different take on it than either of you. I'm ready for it because I think it can be read as multiple things because the story, especially the end, is so vague. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely can. I think it's her skin. Okay. I think she starts stripping away her own flesh to get the woman free. And that's why the doctor slash husband totally passes out when he sees her free is because... I mean, she's just torn off significant chunks of her flesh is what it sounds like. Sure, I think that's an interesting read. I'm not sure that I'm right. That That's something that can happen in intense mental breakdowns, right? Like yeah. People who really struggle with these kinds of things can can go there. My question is that if, if that's the read, what, there's a lot of other things that you kind of have to make sense of. Yeah, I would agree with you. you because that read is, while solid, I think it unaccounts for some of the other things that you start to see. Like, she is not the only woman behind her, behind the wallpaper. Um, later she says, I don't like to look out of the windows even. There are so many of those creeping women and they creep so fast. Mm -hmm. um, so there's other women. She also... Um, mentions that before the husband or the doctor comes in, I am securely fastened now by my well-hidden rope. You don't get me out in the road there. So she's trying now to stay in the room with the wallpaper. So I, she's either literally or figuratively fastened by a rope um, to something. Which again, if she's bound herself, makes that read a little bit more difficult. Because right. that all comes after she has stripped the wallpaper um the other question is again then what do you make of the the strangled heads the bulbous eyes and the waddling fungus growth right the waddling fungus growths i didn't follow i couldn't figure out what they were it's i was wondering pattern, if they were right? i was wondering though if like there was actual spores on the wall at one point that would make sense. that were causing various hallucinations that would be like some like like uh shining the film level stuff yeah right? I, I think this is where we should jump to you, Logan. I think we should hear your take on what you think these things symbolize, because I think that's something that uh, I think that's something that maybe uh, came out more in your reading that you could maybe add. add yeah, because I don't have definite. Sure, I don't have a definite sure, sure, read sure. on any of that. So, the, I think the strangled heads, the bulbous eyes, the waddling fungus, in the wallpaper. Again, I like the view of them of the wallpaper as a canvas. Despite the fact that it is restrictive, I do also think that it can be used as kind of a plane for her experiences that they're painted upon, right? Images of her trauma, images of even her own thoughts of ending her life. She mentions to jump out of the window would be an admirable exercise, but the bars are too strong even to try. This is all in that end sequence, right? Mm -hmm. So that's tied up, I think, in her own tendency toward uh, taking her own life. Mm -hmm. um, which and then she goes on to say besides I wouldn't do it of course not like she's trying to convince herself yeah. right um, so I think that that's tied up in that 
as far as the other women go, I think that once she has ripped, this is after she rips the wallpaper, she mentions she sees other women. There are so many of those creeping women and they creep so fast. I wonder if they all come out of that wallpaper as I did. So she starts to see women who are creeping, again, taking from my read, women who are living their own lives, right. women who are going throughout their own paths and experiencing their own thing. She's wondering, did they all come out of oppression like I have? Again, just borrowing from my read sure. on that. Mm -hmm. Did they all have to emerge from behind the oppression? Um, Your read fits very well And the from behind the trauma, which the two of which together make the wallpaper. Did they all have to emerge from... There's a, an interesting note in the beginning where the husband slash doctor refuses to remove the wallpaper. He says he's going to, but then decides not to because they're only staying there for three months. Mm. So it, in Ooh. that case, it is, I think, literally a symbol of the fact that he will not assist. He is actually actively a part of that oppression in addition to it being tied up with her trauma. So only once she has emerged from it, I think, does she start to see... Um, a little bit of like, oh, there are other women out there. They're creeping. They're in like the most disturbing way possible living their lives. And they creep <laughs> so fast. They're so good at it. Like hmm. how, like, did they all come from behind a wallpaper too? I guess is, is the read that I would give to those themes. Ooh, that, I, that's, I really, I, I really appreciate that read. I'll, I'll part the curtain a little bit or the wallpaper and be a little honest on this. I did have an opportunity to discuss this with another person who's read this before. Uh, quite by chance, I actually recommended he read it, read it, and he's like, oh, I wrote a paper on that in college. Uh, but most of the thoughts here, I will say, are completely my own, based on the discussion we had. That's still really fascinating. So I, I enjoy that, one, um, that is a take that's very different from my own. Yeah. I just learned a lot of things from it. Yeah, and, I like it. And uh, two, your take on it totally retained the original creep factor that makes me love this story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, the creep is it's your, your take on it is just as creepy as my take on it. I would say now that I assuming that she lost the child and the, and the, the child when, it, when her child is talked about in the story is maybe a doll or something like that. Cause it talks about, um, talks about the sister carrying caring for the child downstairs and stuff like that, taking the child from her so she's not stressed out and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I I would think if maybe she lost the child, some of the imagery in the wallpaper represents a full-term pregnancy ending in stillbirth. That would make sense. Yeah. That would make sense. I have one more thing I do want to discuss. Um, <laughs> who is Jane? <laughs> Have we addressed this? I think she's just a nurse. I think she's a nurse. Okay. I think it's the other woman. Okay. Oh. Sure. So Fair that read. was my read. Uh, the nurse is also very good. I did want to address that, though, before we no, no, put no. this whole thing to bed. I oh. think the only thing that I think that assists the hospital read that kind of gets me to say, like, oh, also that, is that the bed is nailed down. Yeah. But again, that could be, she mentions, let me see. Well, that and the bars on the window. I mean, yeah. she gives reasons she for it, but they the don't bars, feel satisfactory. The bars, she says, were because it's an upper window and it was a nursery, which makes sense. Sure. Yeah. That time. Uh, let me see if I can you couldn't find... just lock it. I'm not going to be able to get an exact quote here, but she, she mentions that the, the room that she is living in, the furniture is arranged like terribly. Yeah. Um, like she hates the way that it's arranged. And this is actually when she is, if 
if we read her as an unreliable narrator, this is in the part where she's more reliable, right? Yeah. Before she mm-hmm. really goes full tilt. She mentions that she dislikes the that she dislikes the arrangement of the furniture, right? But part of the that part of the read that assists what you guys have put forth as it being the total mental hospital read. So the bed is nailed down. I can I read that as another oppression. Another oh, way that her husband had she hated the way it was arranged and yet she was not allowed to move it. Oh yeah, sure. Right? That she was restricted in even her own living space that she spent so much time in. Yeah. Um, I'm delighted to learn she was a feminist because that's definitely the way I read this piece. Yeah. yeah. She was a feminist. Um, if our, our listeners who go and dig into this will also find out that she had some controversial opinions on race. Um, controversial for the time or controversial now? Probably controversial for both. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> um, that's an important sure. distinction to make. Um, probably more controversial now than they were then, but they were... Uh, there's some pretty, uh, pretty bad stuff about wanting to, um, about wanting to send, uh, black, um, Americans back to Africa, I believe was something. It's not a very good take, especially. Yeah. So, but, so I guess if we're going to learn anything from what she wrote, this would be the side of things to learn something from and not, uh, yeah. Not sure. that side of sure. what she wrote. Well, I think we could go at this one story forever. I think we could, too. I have one final thought before we close it out. Sure. Is that all right with the two of you? Yeah. Um, so this, I guess, of course, I'm going to provide more evidence for my read. Um, but one thing that I noticed, uh, she's talking about... Okay, I'll just read from the text, and then we'll, I'll give my take sure. on it. Sure. Uh, there is one marked peculiarity about this paper, the wallpaper a thing nobody seems to notice but myself, and that is that it changes as the light changes. When the sun shoots in through the east window, I always watch for that first long straight ray. It changes so quickly that I can never quite believe it. That is why I watch it always. By moonlight, the moon shines in all night when there is a moon. That's important. I wouldn't know it was the same paper. At night, in any kind of light, in twilight, candlelight, lamplight, and worst of all, by moonlight, it becomes bars. The outside pattern, I mean, becomes bars, and the woman behind it is as plain as can be. Meaning that in daytime, when her husband is there, she cannot see herself as the true woman. But when nighttime, any kind of light, worst of all moonlight, the moonlight that always shines at night, she can see the bars, she can see the restriction, and she can see the woman behind it. So that's like, I would say, the, the final piece of my read, the final capstone that puts this as like truly oppressive and her being trapped behind it. So with that read, I guess like maybe let's move on to yeah. the next piece. Greg, this was a wonderful suggestion. A Thanks for pick. introducing this to us. I yeah, I enjoyed this. No, I actually didn't enjoy this, but I'm really <laughs> glad I read it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it's it's an unpleasant read, but it's it's a good think piece, I think. Yeah, Ooh, but it's so good if you ever get the chance to uh, do a dramatic reading of it for somebody. You could, which do you that. did for your wife, did you not? I I did. <laughs> And I'm, she she said it was a good story, but she said it was uh, she said that me reading it out loud and you know doing different intonations and stuff made it worse. I I, I would that. agree. I actually did not find it creepy when I read it. Uh, talking about it, it's I've, very disturbing. Can, yeah, I realized you, you have it pulled upsetting. up right there. Can I can uh, I just read I something? I did. I can pull it out. No, yet. don't do it, Greg. Don't do it. <laughs> um, just write down. I'm gonna read something from the very end. I'm going to try and do it like... Like you did it for like your I wife? Did. I think that's valuable. I was reading this. Yeah. 
Then he said, very quietly indeed, Open the door, my darling. I can't, said I. The key is down by the front door, under a plantain leaf. And then I said it again several times, very gently and slowly, and said it so often that he had to go and see. And he got it, of course, and came in. He stopped short by the door. What is the matter? he cried. For God's sake, what are you doing? I kept on creeping, just the same. But I looked at him over my shoulder. I've got out at last, said I, in spite of you and Jane. And I've uh, pulled off most of the paper, so you can't put me back. Now, why should that man have fainted? But he did, and right across my path by the wall. So I had to creep over him every time. So open up your mind.